comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs and one. Cal up top. Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. And he popped it deep. He was banging. Well, Watson and a foul. This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. What's up, Aztec fans? Welcome to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Trone, here for a special off-season edition of the pod. And today I'm joined by Mike out at Aztec Hoops Nation for, I think, the third or fourth time you've been on the show. I think that makes you a friend of the show at this point. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's glad to be a friend of the show. And yeah, it's maybe the third time I think I'm here. So glad to be back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Always a pleasure, man. How have uh, how have you been been holding up in this like quarantine time? Uh, it's been okay. I mean, you know, staying staying home, being safe, going out, not too much. You know, just just being safe and being cautious, and just getting getting ready to uh, start thinking about going back to work. Uh, I work at a school, so um, you know, it's actually gonna be our summertime now, and then uh, start thinking about next year. That's all. I didn't know you worked at a school. That's really cool. So do I. Um, what was I? Gosh, I just had my other. Th- oh, okay. So just for like more of a, I don't know if a fun question is the best descriptor, but if you had to guess, you know, because a lot of this stuff is still happening and, you know, I'm no expert on any of this stuff, but a lot of people are talking about like there might be a second wave coming in in the next winter or fall. If you had to guess, do you think there's going to be fall sports or or basketball or anything in this next coming season? I, I think so. I don't know if fans will be there, but I think so. I think, um, you know, um, there has to be a new normal, I guess, you know. And so yeah. probably I, I feel like there's going to be some – some way it's going to be done and like i said it may not be like i was before it's just going to be different um because you just really uh, i was reading about like they just, there's no like one day where it's just over and everything's back to normal which is you just kind of adjust to a new normal so that's kind of what i'm my mindset like it's going to be maybe we have to wear masks or maybe we have to limit people from now on stores i don't know there'll be some adjustments and sports will adjust and adapt i think i don't know about i don't know what you think there yeah, I'm more or less in the same spot. And and to be fair, I didn't think they would shut down the tournament when they did just because uh, they have so much money invested in that in the, the March Madness basketball tournament. So I was like, there's no way they they shut it down. And I mean, I think it was it was the right thing to do, but I didn't think it would happen. And so it just shows that I don't actually know what I'm talking about. But I think, like you said, it'll it'll happen to some degree whether fans can show up or not, you know, some, the, but I think they'll figure something out and they'll, they'll get a way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, awesome. So definitely we are recording this on a Friday afternoon and I don't know when I'm going to post this, which is why I'm saying that, but earlier today, the news came through that a, uh, I don't know all the specifics, but the vote passed basically for the new San Diego state football stadium and it sounds like there needs to be another vote or two to like finalize everything and make sure all the details are good but it sounds like basically the stadium is ready to go and they should start construction in july which is awesome mike do you go to any of the football games i do i i I try to make it uh, oh yeah i i mean i used to go 
at least you know more than half of the games. But uh, the last couple of years have been kind of slow with family and stuff, not being able to go. But yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it, this the stadium's gonna be great. But just I mean, for me, the development of the land. I mean, it's gonna be hopefully like a place that you can just go and spend a day. Because like right now, I feel like going to you know going to Qualcomm or I'm sorry, SDCCU Stadium. It's just, it's really, it's really boring. It's really dull. There's not much to do. Walking around a bunch of concrete, you know, there's holes in the floor. Um, uh, It's it's not a fun experience. So the whole environment is going to be great. Not just like going to the game, but like beforehand, going to the park with your family, you know, hopefully restaurants there that are walking distance. That'll be the fun part. And it'll be a whole day excursion, I think. And and that's what's the most exciting thing. It's like something new to do in San Diego, which we have so many things to do. <laughs> Just another another thing. Hopefully it, it – I, I mean, I hate to talk bad, but I feel like San Diego sports fans, by and large, probably not the people that listen to this specifically, but by and large, we're such fair-weather mm-hmm. – fans because there's so much other stuff to do like you just said and so hopefully if the stadium becomes an event in and of itself maybe that'll help with that a little bit i think so i mean we we do a lot of things to do and you know you can go to the beach for free or you can go pay you know sixty dollars for your family to watch a game padre game or whatever it may be so sometimes the decisions you know very easy but yeah i mean if it's a if it's a fun experience uh i think now just in general in this day and age it can't just be just the game there has to be more around it, and this will this will help in that regard. Definitely. Okay, let's get to some basketball stuff. So it was it was a while ago this happened, um, but when it happened, we were messaging on Twitter. the uh, The name, image, likeness stuff got passed, basically that said students can now profit from their name, image, likeness. There's some rules. There's some restrictions. Right. There has to be some type of regulation, of course, but more or less, it basically said that students can now profit from that. I think they can sign agents, they can, um, you know, get get their own shoe deals, even though they're in college, stuff like that. What are your thoughts on this? So I, I feel it's a good thing. Um, let, let me just start off by saying that I don't ever trust the NCAA to do the right thing. They've shown me time and time again, they can't. And I didn't trust them to do this on their own accord. Like someone had to push them. So I'm glad the States did. And I know there's a lot of people that are worried and stuff. And essentially I feel like this will kind of be, you know, become the, like it's had to say the new normal, but it'll work itself out. Every time there's a big change, the NCAA is always, you know, crying wolf and saying, this is going to change college basketball. We can't do this. And you know what? We get through and it's still, it's still great. And, um, you know, that, like I said, that's, that's kind of my thing. It's just a great thing for students. It's a great thing for schools, uh, for schools, not necessarily the schools as in, you know, they're not paying anything. So that's great for them. But uh, I, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm actually not a little bit, I'm way less concerned than a lot of people are about the potential trap falls that may occur through this because in, in the free market, it, everything just kind of works itself out. Um, when it comes to people spending, you know, corporations or big people spenders spending money. So I'm not too worried about about this. And I just think it's great for student athletes because like, I, I can't remember which national reporter says this, but uh, college scholarships are great for 99% of student athletes, but for 1%, it's a bad deal. And that's the 1% that's, gonna, that's going to 
um, benefit the most through this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm pretty much on the same page with you. I think it's such like a, a small thing for, for me, but just in terms of like the hypocrisy of student athletes, they, they have to be students first, so they can't benefit from things like this. You know, I, I think back, I, I didn't, but when I was in college, I could have been paid to be an influencer or, you know, been like been paid by whoever to right. do whatever for, to put my picture somewhere. And I was a student first, but I could have been paid. So I never understood why these, these players couldn't, you know, that inherent hypocrisy. If, if that's your reasoning, if you're going to say they're students first, so they can't get paid, it doesn't make sense because the other students get to get paid. Um, what would you say? I don't know if you read it, but when it happened, uh, Mark Ziegler came out with an article and the, the basis of it was it's going to ruin college athletic programs because what will happen is these athletic companies and these shoe companies will start to sponsor players and they will remove their sponsorship of the school and of the university. And so the university is going to lose a lot of money and they're going to have to cut other things, which may include the sports. What, I mean, do you have any thoughts about that? I, I did. And I, I thought it was a good point by Mark. Um, you know, the one, the one thing I say is if they're going to play, if they're going to pay players, we're already heading that way with the G league. Like they're not, I mean, Adidas is not going to pay a player to go to Kansas. If Adidas is no longer sponsoring Kansas, that's kind of the package deal. Like you can't just say, Oh, well, they're not going to sponsor the schools. Well, then where are they going to send these kids? to the G League, and then that's already an option for kids to go already. So we're already heading that direction, and um, so that that's kind of that's kind of the point that I think is the the whole thing is these school these you know what we saw with the investigation with the schools tied in with the Adidas thing, they're paying these kids to go to their school, whether it's Kansas or Louisville or wherever. You still need that. You still need that relationship between a school and a player. If you know, if now. The money's not going to Kansas for for uniforms, but now it's going for um, it's going for a player. And secondly, there's very there's only a, a small portion of schools that get actual money to wear the uniform. Like San Diego State gets free stuff, but they don't get actual money to wear. You know the Jordan Brand logo. They get Jordan Brand clothes, Jordan Brand logo uh, attire, but um, so. It's not really going to affect affect schools, I think, as much as Mark mentioned it would. But it was an interesting point to th- think about. But again, there ha- there has to be a relationship t- between the school and the apparel company for the apparel company to send this kid. Like I said, unless they're going to G League, which those kids are going to go to already, and there's only limited spots for that. Yeah, at the moment. I mean, I think the G League will open up. Um, but at the same time, I don't think – like they'll open it up to more spots, but it'll still just be like the top kids will be going. Mm -hmm. And so I think most kids will still end up going to college just because that's what they're ready for or because they need to develop or, or whatever. Um, I, I, I do think I liked that Mark brought up that point because it was something I hadn't heard before. And I'm I'm always trying to find people that disagree with me just Mm -hmm. so that I can, I can learn a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm basically on the same page, page as you though. And I think college sports, 
more so than pro sports in, in a pro sport, you can get attached to a player. And so, especially in basketball, you'll see these fans that are fans of a player and they'll follow that player from team to team. Right. Whereas in college sports, at most you get a player for like four years. Right. And so right. getting that attached to the player doesn't work the same way. Your, your loyalty lies with the team. And so people are tuning in to watch these teams. And so I think, uh, at least, I mean, at least for the for the higher level programs, I think they'll be fine. The lower levels, maybe not. But then there's also the the point of he, he brought up that athletic departments are uh, they run in the red pretty much every year, and right. you can also find articles that point out that <laughs> these schools will will kind of fudge the books a little bit and and count like a scholarship they give as an expense when it's really not an expense necessarily. And like, I don't know this weird stuff. I'm not an, an economist, so I probably not doing it justice, but just these weird things that make me like, I don't think I'm going to worry about this that much. I, I do. I do want to ask you a question, something that I've heard people say about, and, and that's the inequality of the programs, which we both know already exists, but Someone a hypothetical. Yeah. What's to stop an Alabama booster to giving a five-star recruit five million dollars to attend Alabama? Like, do you see a problem with that? Um. I so like my gut says no, <laughs> or I'm sorry, my gut says yes. I do see a problem with it. <sighs> my problem is that I can't put into words exactly what my problem with it is. And I have a policy. So like you said, you work at a, at a school earlier. I do too. I work at, at a middle school and I have a policy with my kids that like, if they ask me to do something or for permission to do something or whatever, if I want to say no, but I can't give them a specific reason why, then I don't tell them no. Um, just so that it's like fighting that, that gut reaction. And hopefully it checks like any bad, uh, habits I have as an, as an instructor and as a role model. Um, I, it's, it's something I, I don't like in terms of, of a booster doing it. I also can't really like explain a difference between if a booster does it or if, like you said, like if a shoe company gives a player a deal and says, go to one of our schools, you know, I, that's not really that different. I don't think, um, so I can't explain why I don't like it. And it might just be that inequality thing, you know, and sure. if something like that happens, you might see a San Diego state get further behind these other, you know, power five schools. Um, what, what's, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing we talk about now, like in football, it's already an inequality. Like I think most of the teams are, are in the playoffs or sec or uh, big 10 teams. And so it's already an inequality. But I, I feel like people point use that as an example, and um, my thing is, so what? I think $5 million is a terrible investment on one person, you know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, if you're going to pay $5 million quarterback, uh, he's, you, still have, you still have 21 other guys that are starters at the same time. So I, I think the market will regulate itself, and I feel like people will throw out these numbers like, oh, $5 million to a player, you know, uh, Nike's going to give five million to this kid to go to Alabama, uh, but again, like the return on the investment is, is what is is five million dollars per one player? Are you going to give? Is there is there a budget of twenty five, forty five million dollars for the starting offense and defense of Alabama to go there? 
Um, I feel like it's just that saying that is like a very unrealistic thing that we think was going to happen and it may happen early, but I think the market will adjust itself eventually because it's not worth to give one kid $5 million when you still have, you still need 21 other kids on offense and defense to get paid, to be, you know, a solid team throughout. And, you know, in basketball, um, again, the kid's there for a year and you're paying for a one-year investment, hoping that the kid's going to sign with your brand or hoping that your, your school's going to win the national championship where we know where one game in the, in the March Madness can ruin all that and essentially that investment hasn't really paid off. And plus, there's not that many kids that are that uh, marketable. Like I would say in basketball, the last couple of years, I think Zion Williamson's the only kid I can think of that is that yeah. marketable. Um, and, and in football, there's so many, they wear a helmet. It's hard to, to market the person. So it, it, there's, those kids are very far and few between, but again, I think the return on investments on kids like that will eventually may, it may happen in the beginning, but again, I just don't see that being a good investment for anybody. And I think these businesses are that have $5 million, no business well enough to not spend it on a student where they don't see the investment coming back. Yeah. I think, um, so the number itself doesn't bother me at all because like you said, I think the market will regulate itself and I don't think it's very realistic that somebody will be paid $5 million to go to a school. And if they do, then somebody says they're worth it. So great for them. Um, it's more the principle. And I think, I think this is where, where the issue would come from a booster specifically. And I don't know, it probably doesn't even matter because you just reword whatever the deal is in the contract and now it's legal. So probably doesn't matter. But to me, if a booster is paying a person to go play at the school, that makes it feel like they're an employee as opposed to if they're getting paid so that their picture can be on a poster or so that they can be in a new NCAA video game or something like that. That doesn't feel like they're getting paid to be an employee. Oh. Like they're already doing something. Well, let me rephrase and then you're getting it's added on, on top of that. Well, let me rephrase it. You're getting paid $5 million to do a commercial for the local dealer car dealership, which is, you know, way over market value. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Not necessarily like you come to school, I'm going to give you a sack, you know, with the money sign on it, a $5 million. But, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like someone's getting overpaid for whatever mm-hmm. service they're, they're supposedly giving to the the buyer. But uh, like you said, um, that's the way I look at it. But that was just kind of my, some of the things I heard. And when I, when I, I heard it, I mean, I've been thinking about this for a long time and, and talking to people about it. And I was like, I, I reached out to you because I was like, I really want to talk about this issue um, because you and I usually agree about things and I was kind of hoping, you know, we would disagree a little bit, but, and we kind of are, uh, we're working through the whole process, but to me, like it's, um, I feel like it's just a progression of things and, uh, it, it's going to, it's going, it's going to be okay. Sports always ends up being okay. Even there's things that have happened that I don't like say in professional football rule changes, you know, there's still, it's still enjoyable and, um, yeah, I mean, it, the sport will be okay and it'll move forward. And again, again, especially in college athletics, we're not really caring about the player. I mean, we do, but it's the school. We follow school and, and, and we're going to follow it no matter what, who the players are, you know, we can just look at the basketball team. We love those guys because 
they have San Diego State or Aztecs across their chest and we support mm-hmm. them. And, and, and that's kind of how it's going to be, I think. And, and that's what makes college athletics different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, when you rephrase it as like a car dealership, I have no problem yeah. with that. But yeah. then like, like I said, like if the booster owns the car dealership, is that really different? So in all reality, it probably doesn't even, doesn't even uh, matter there. Um, it's yeah, it's just the semantics of it. I get too into the nitty gritty sometimes and that's <laughs> okay. Um, what we'll do is we will take a short break and then um, come back and we'll talk about some basketball stuff. Sounds good. And we're back. Okay, so Mike, this is actually, I think, a good day to record this stuff because it sounds like from from what I've seen you posting and then other people posting as well, the Aztecs have been making a lot of offers lately. So do you want to kind of take us through uh, who they're chasing for this upcoming season? And then as on top of that, like anybody they've offered that you've like want to shout out or, or not shout out highlight for, for upcoming seasons as well. Yeah. So, I mean, recently the, the Aztecs are, you know, have one scholarship left for this upcoming season. Um, three names stand out. Um, Frankie, uh, Frank Anselm uh, from uh, prolific prep here in Napa, California, six uh, ten big man uh, has, he's has the Aztecs in his final six. Um, it, it's it's going to be a tough. From what I'm hearing, it's a tough battle to get him. It, um, I we talked about the. I, well, I don't know if we talked about. it. I know I saw you post it, but I love that we're we're the only West Coast school. It makes us different. It makes us stand out. Um, I I you know there's a lot of talk about Syracuse being uh, one of those top schools for his for him. Um, he's going to be tough to get, but he he's a guy. You know, obviously we need a front court player um, with Nathan going to his junior year. And having a you know a grad transfer big man behind him, so we obviously need some young players at that position. But uh, he's he's one of the guys that that we're after right now. Um, I know you've probably gone through some film of him. Any any thoughts on him? Um, so actually, I don't go through film until uh, the player commits. Really, I might go through like some highlights real quick, but. I don't do do too much just because, you know, right now, for example, there's three guys the Aztecs are chasing, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and that's not counting, you know, the the five others they chase throughout throughout the process of just this offseason. And when I go through film, I like to find full games and not just highlights so that I can look at what the player's doing. Um, you know, when they don't have the ball in their hands. So I can look at what they're doing when they're sitting on the bench, like try and get a a more full picture. And watching those full games takes time uh, that I don't always have. And so to try and just naturally narrow it out, I, uh, I, I don't watch too much film until they commit. And then also part of that, not to get too, too sappy or whatever, but like, I I uh you I feel like you do a really good job following all the recruiting and following the players before they commit and so I'm like you know what I'm just gonna trust Mike Mike and what he says 
Um, and then once the player commits, I'll look and I'll, I'll start to form my own opinions. I think I have seen you mention that before, so that's totally fair. Uh, the other One of the other guys we're after is East uh, Tennessee State transfer, Davian Williamson. Um, he has a final five. Um, I, I could see him announcing in the next few days over this weekend, possibly. Uh, supposedly, it's between us and Wake Forest. Um, again, I he'd be a great addition. He'd have to sit a year. But um, just gut feeling, I, I mean, Wake Forest makes a lot of sense. He's from the area. His former coach is there. But you never know. I really don't have any insight in it. Just a gut feeling on just, you know, what makes sense to me. But he he's, a, you know, a, a guy who is a good scorer and given a year to sit out and improve could make a big jump and lead the Aztecs backcourt along with some of these young guys we have. So that's the second guy we're looking at. And the third one is a name that is familiar and that's Bothgotch. And he's transferring from Utah. And he has a, he has a nice long list of suitors. Um, we'll see what happens. It, it's really difficult to tell because these kids aren't doing visits. And so uh, because, of, you know, the pandemic and just the flight risks, you know, with, with the disease. So a lot of kids are just doing these visits virtually. And and so in, in, that, in that way, it helps that Gotch has already visited San Diego State. He's played against them last year. Uh, he knows the staff. He, I think he's friends with the Guecarop. So there's some familiarity, but we'll see because I know school. There's there's other schools that are on his list that he's seen before, whether playing with them or around the area that he's in. So that one's kind of a toss up, but we'll we'll keep an eye out to see if he cuts his list down. But those are the three guys right now for that one scholarship we have left. So of those. Three, who would be like your favorite, not in terms of like they're going to choose San Diego State, but which of the three would you most like to see wear the Aztec uniform? I would like to see Anselm. Like I feel we need a big man and I feel like he could, he could step into minutes right away. Um, you know, he's very athletic, uh, a, a good um, post player. And he would thrive in our system. And just really, I think we're good in the backcourt for some time now. We have a really good one-two punch for the future in Lamont Butler and Keith Dinwiddie. So I really feel like we need to address the front court because it's so hard to find those guys and you never know, you know where they're going to lean. So if we can get him now, he'd be my top choice. For sure. I, uh, I think I put out... I put out recently that I think uh, what was his name Williamson, the the point guard who's who I agree with you. He's probably going to go to Wake Forest because I think that's where his his coach moved to, and that's why he's yeah. transferring. And so it's probably a good bet that he'll follow his coach. I think I put him as my number one, and then Frank was like one B essentially. Right. Um, I think I spent so much time this off season. Uh, trying to wrap my head around Nathan possibly being the only big man. And so like, I would just be driving down the street or wherever and uh, just thinking like, okay, you got Nathan at the five and then have a rope back him up. Cause he's shown he can be a pretty good defensive center and then play Matt at the four. But now we have like uh, that new guy, Joshua Tomayish, who we can talk about in a little bit here. Um, 
we have him to like play as a big man too. And so I'm like, okay, well, it's not needed anymore. But like, I'm, I think I'm still kind of locked in that mindset. Right. And then I also think Dutcher has done his best work when he has three point guard type of players. I think that's part of it too. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. It'll all work out. I just wanted to kind of pick your brain on those guys. Yeah. No, I mean, um, good options. All three are good options. What's, oh, what about guys for the following season? Oh, so yeah, we've had quite a few, uh, quite a bit of um, news recently. So over the last two weeks, uh, let's see, we've uh, added offers to a couple of 2021 guys. Um, Alex, and I, I don't know, has, I'm not sure how to say his last name, Chiku, uh, 611 big man, I believe. From Dream City Christian, top 50 player. I mean, this kid's a stud. Got big time offers. Um, but I love that we, we were going after him. I mean, he would just be like a, a, a star at San Diego State. Um, then you have uh, Glenn Taylor, a 6'6 guard slash wing player from Las Vegas. Um, you know, he he's... He's in that mold of like the big guards that we used to have. I, I know Dutcher hasn't really cared that much as much as uh, Coach Steve Fisher did, but big guard can 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 dribble the ball, facilitate score, as well as play out on the wing and defend. You know, one the one through the four. Uh, outside of KJ Simpson um, from uh, from Chaminade High School in LA. He's another, he's, he's a fast guard, really, you know, quick with the ball, good ball handler, um, good, good um, mid range shooter and gets to the basket really, really well and, and finishes um, great, like acrobatically around the big man. He's, he's an intriguing prospect who I've been watching for some time. He's, he's been blowing up a little bit. We'll see when, when the AU season starts up again, we should be able to see, um, where he's at, and then uh, a couple of 2022 guys um, that that I like were uh, Ramel Lloyd Jr. He's a stud. I mean, he is a stud. He's been to, he's been on campus a couple times. Uh, he he's a point guard. He's a guard, combo guard. Amazing, you know, just all around great player. He's gonna be he's gonna be pushing for a five star by the time he gets to to his senior year, and. Um, uh, sorry, who did we last offer? <sighs> there was one more. Sorry about that. There was one more. Oh, um, well, I mean, Deron Holmes is a 2014 guy, but I love I love him also. He's he he's a guy that I liked for a long time. He, he's a big presence, a four man that likes to bang down low, and and he he's um, he's quite a talent. And oh, man, there was one more. Sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head. Once I get it right now, I'll let you know. But oh, uh, Chan Stevens. Sorry, Chan Stevens. How can I forget? Teammate of Lamont Butler, uh, just a sophomore. He's a guy that's going to be one one to watch. Definitely a big time shooter who's developing his game. So um, the Aztecs are, are are definitely looking towards the future, knowing that the recruitment for the twenty twenty season is pretty much coming down to an end with those three players that we mentioned earlier. Hopefully we got some bright future here as Aztec basketball fans, it sounds like. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see to what extent this great season that they just had uh, 
like affects that recruiting, right? Because this would be the year that would start. The guys that have already committed, committed before the season started for the most part, right? And so this would be when we would see guys yeah. saying, oh, yeah, they, you know, they had that great season. So let's go play over there. So I believe we've talked about the incoming freshmen before right. on the show. We talked about Lamont Butler. We talked about Keith Dinwiddie. We talked about Shay Evans. Um, I say I'm um, way too much. What do you think? So since then, we've gotten a couple transfers. We've gotten uh, Terrell Gomez and we've gotten Joshua Tomajic. What are your thoughts on those guys? Um, well, obviously, Gomez is, is is really here to, I think, add another scoring punch offensively. You know, there's no there's no um, doubting his numbers. There's no doubting what he's done. He he's he's a scorer for sure. What a guy that can can get to the you know can even though he's five eight, he can get to the basket. He can he can shoot over players, but he's he's a threat so that he also allows other players to get involved and get open. So that's really important. I think when we had Malachi last year, you know, everybody knew he was the guy and that really opened it up for the rest of the team. So having Gomez, he's going to hopefully fill that same role being a primary score with him and Matt Mitchell. But at the same time, um, if he is an offensive threat, it kind of helps the rest of the team out. And Tomajic, I, I mean, he's <clears throat> based on what I've heard and what I've seen, the little that I've seen of him. It sounds like, He's kind of in the same mold as as Yanni Wetzel, and he's a guy that has skill that hasn't been able to show it. Didn't really, it didn't really fit over at Maryland. It wasn't what they want, what they're looking for. Plus, they they had guys that were highly recruited over, um, starting over him, and he kind of got lost in the mix. So, um, the the big hope is that he's Yanni Wetzel in the second. And I remember going to Swiss League, and not not knowing that Yanni Wetzel was going to be what he became last year for the Aztecs. So um, it's really hard to tell by looking at the Maryland film to know exactly what he's going to be, but the coaching staff seems to have that same plan for him as they did for Yanni. Yeah, I'm with you on the stuff about about Swish League. Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't there, but I, I can say this. Uh, so last season, about this time, right, the, the coaches are, are recruiting hard. And I think there was, at, at, the, at the point I sent out this tweet, I think there were six guys that the Aztecs were connected with. Uh, one was like Boogie Ellis. One was uh, Jaden McDaniels, right? One was Yanni Wetzel. I don't remember who the other three were. I think Yanni Wetzel was the only one who ended up committing out of those six. But I put out a list, kind of like I just asked you, right? Like yeah. of the three guys that were chasing, who would be your your preferred guy? I put out a list like that of my preferred guys. <laughs> Yanni Wetzel was the last one on the list. And I don't think I'm ever going to let myself live that one down. And once I like, once I saw the tape, you know, I started to buy in more and stuff like that. It was just based off of some, some number stuff, but he was the last one on the list. And, um, so, so point being just to like, to echo off of, you know, I, like, I don't think anybody really knew what Yanni was going to be except for maybe the coaches and he might've even surprised them. Who knows? Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think Joshua is transferring? Like, do you think he's going to start games or do you think he's going to back up Nathan? I, I tend to think he's going to back up Nathan. Um, 
I know if like the, the, they see him as a Yanni the second, and Yanni played the four very well. Um, so, so that's kind of uh, something to watch. But I, I, I feel pretty good about Aguekarop and Kashad Johnson at the four. Um, you know, I, I before we got Aguek, I had a good relationship with his coach, or we still do, but we spoke a lot more, and he saw, he sent me a lot of film of Aguekarop. And it's really been a shame that the injuries have hampered him here at San Diego State because he's nowhere near what I saw, the player that I saw before the injuries. He's very dynamic. He, he can score a variety of ways. And so hopefully, you know, he has some healthy time so he can get to that back to that level because he, he can do a lot more than he's shown. And even though he's shown himself to be a good rebounder and a hustle guy, he's a lot more than that. And, uh, you know, we've heard about the athleticism of Kashad Johnson and, and kind of same thing with him. When I saw him last year at Swish, I was like not sold completely, but you started seeing it. And, and, you know, Mark Ziegler has mentioned, you know, that he, he's a guy scouts are intrigued by. And, and, and there's a lot of people I know around the program that think that, you know, Kashad Johnson's future is in the NBA. So, uh, the time that I saw him last year, I was I was impressed with the shot, especially his three point shot, and his athleticism. And once he gets that defense down, and, and just gets you know the whole system of the Aztecs down, I think he's going to be a stud player, honestly. Um, because if you look at it, you know if you look at his game, he can he can do a little bit of everything. It's just being more consistent with it, which is every player's you know goal is to be more consistent. Definitely. Definitely. I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm high on Johnson's potential, but I am, I think much lower than most of the people I see, uh, on like what he's going to do this year. Partially, partially because just, you know, I didn't see a lot last year. Um, he definitely flashed some things, right? He hit a couple corner threes. He, he showed off that athleticism for sure. Um, and, and like you said, if he learns the defense, he'll, he'll learn some time. Uh, but he just, you know, he didn't get a lot of minutes and combine that with uh, just how many guys are, are in line to play this year and, and where they're going to be. I, I am still kind of in like, I think Matt Mitchell will play a lot of minutes at the four. And so if he's mm-hmm. playing the four and a ropes playing the four, and then you have Nathan at the five and Tomajic at the five. You know, I'm not entirely sure where Keyshot's minutes come from. Obviously, early in the season he'll get he'll get time, but in terms of like conference season regular player, I just I'm not sure. And I hope we get to see some awesome stuff. Don't don't get me wrong, but I just I don't know. I'm not sure we're gonna see a bunch from this year either. But I I'm hoping he proves me wrong. Yeah, I mean the biggest jump is always from the freshman to sophomore year, so. You know, we're hoping for that. Obviously, the whole not being able to train here at San Diego because everybody's back home is tough. But, you know, might throw a, a wrench in those plans. But I said, hopefully, and I know there's a lot of hope throughout the program that Kashad will, will take that jump, that leap to stardom, you know, because he does have um, he does have a lot of those qualities and a lot of the athleticism that you need to be uh, a – a player at the next level and and if you can put it all together i mean you're looking at a player who's going to be impact guy for the squad so hopefully he can and um you know hopefully 
he he makes an impact next year. But like you said, I I mean, you have Matt Mitchell coming back, and and where he plays will um will dictate the rest of the minutes because you can assume Matt's going to play a lot of minutes coming back as a senior. Oh yeah, I this is. This is Matt Mitchell's team as far as I'm concerned. Terrell Gomez might be the leading scorer. That wouldn't surprise me. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can see, this is going to be Matt Mitchell's team. You know, he's I think he's one of the few first team all conference guys in the whole in the whole league returning, let alone on the team. So I think I think that'll be a thing. I think that makes a pretty a pretty nice segue here into my last topic here if you had based on the roster the way it is right now and I mean who knows like you said there might be a commitment sometime this weekend or something but based on the way the roster is right now who uh who do you think the starting five will be starting five is going to be Terrell Gomez uh Jordan Shackle Matt Mitchell Aguek Arap and Nathan Mensa. Um, I feel like the staff has really been trying to get a quick minutes again. He just, he just caught this injury bug for the last two years. And, um, again, I, I believe in his skill set. The four is the hardest one to play to place. Um, but I feel like, uh, if I'm going to put one guy there, the guy I feel most confident about putting there is a quick rock because he's played the five. We've seen him play the five when the assets go small. So, Playing the four is not something, you know, a big task to ask of him. Definitely. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty much a four as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, I'm hopeful that his three point shot can improve, uh, especially with like how spaced out the Aztecs were last year. I'm going to, I'm assuming they're going to carry a lot of that over. It's, it's the same staff and they seem to be targeting the same types of guys in, in terms of their recruiting. So, I'm assuming the four guy will be asked to space the floor a lot still. And when a rope would do it, he was pretty good at closing or at, or sorry, he was good at attacking the closeouts. There it is. Uh, but just the shooting wasn't there if, as, as I recall. And no. so I'm hoping he can, he can improve upon that. Where do you have Trey Pulliam at? Um, I think he's a six man. I think he's the first guy off the bench. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, Terrell Gomez will probably start as a point guard, but obviously easily I can see him moving off the ball. Um, and then Jordan Jordan and Matt obviously have already cemented themselves as starters. They really deserve it. So I, I could see Trey Pulliam being the guy, the first guy off the bench. Um, I, I just worry that um, having, having Trey and Terrell at the same time um, to start makes you kind of – makes you a bit small even though Trey Pullum's not small height wise you know he's, he's pretty thin so I think yeah. I see him coming off the bench first off the bench yeah that's one thing I've noticed I'm, I'm working on a Trey Pulling video I'm working on a lot of videos actually all at the same time which isn't how I normally do it but one thing I've noticed in in the tape for Trey Pulling that I didn't notice in the season is he gets pushed off his spot relatively easily um and so yeah he's he's pretty thin so just, just, I mean, just more follow-ups just because, I don't know, I love this stuff. Um, who is, do you think Terrell Gomez is going to be like the primary facilitator on the on the team? I, th- I think he'll be asked to facilitate, uh, um, on the, yeah, as to be the primary facilitator. 
Um, I think he'll be kind of the way Malachi was, and where mm-hmm. he's a scoring threat, and and he's gonna he's gonna draw attention and allow guys to to get open and get get some easy shots. I I don't know how he does off pick and roll. I'm sure you you probably know that already, but you know obviously Malachi did really great in those scenarios, at least on the eye test. Um, yeah, I'm assuming I'm assuming Terrell is gonna be asked to do the same thing where he. He comes off the, the pick and roll and can either find the man rolling to the basket or the shooter spacing out, you know, behind a three-point line. For sure. It's it's interesting. So Gomez, the thing with him is the way he was used at Northridge wasn't as that, which doesn't mean he can't do it, right? It's just a matter of the coaches thought he was more valuable playing off the ball, right? Coming off a screen, spotting up, doing whatever. Um, he, he would do some pick and rolls every once in a while, but it wasn't his, his main thing. So it's, it's hard to know for sure mm-hmm. whether he can do it. The last time he was that guy was when he was, he was a freshman. Uh, and then, you know, the last two years he hasn't done it. And so in, in the tape, I definitely saw flashes. I think it's something he's capable of. I don't think he's as capable as Malachi Flynn was in terms of, you know, the facilitating, but he's also... Uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's probably a better shooter than Malachi was, and he's a more willing shooter than Malachi was, and we'll see if fans take to that or not. I know at the end of last season there was a lot of complaining that there was too many three-point shots, and Gomez shoots more than anybody I can think of in recent Aztec memory, so it'll it'll be interesting. What do you think about putting the ball in Matt Mitchell's hands and having him facilitate either as like the three man or the four man. I, I think that'd be a great wrinkle to, to the team. Um, you know, getting the ball in your best player, one of your best players hands early is, is a great way to exploit matchups. And so, so giving Matt Mitchell the ball and allowing him to, to run the offense um, really just, changes things up in a positive way for the Aztecs. Uh, I know towards the end of the last season, um, Matt got the ball a lot, especially when um, when Malachi was in foul trouble towards the end of the year, a couple games. Um, Matt got the ball, and he was the one running the offense. And, and that might be by design to get him ready for this year on what, you know, on, on what potential role might be. So I, I think it's smart. I think if the Aztec staff coaching staff does that, it's, it's smart. Like I said, just changes the dynamic of the team and really how um, they can attack the defense. So here's my last thing. I'm going to give my starting lineup, um, and you can tell me your thoughts and tell me why I'm wrong. Um, but I have one more question for you, just to pick your brain a little bit on it. Um, this is more of like a political question, not in the traditional sense, but the basketball sense. Okay. Um, one thing I've been pondering a lot is when Shea Evans was recruited, a big thing was like he wants early playing time, right? Um, and so I took that to mean like he's going somewhere because he's he's maybe he hasn't been promised, but like he feels pretty confident that he can be at least the sixth man, if not a starter, like right away. Was am I am I taking those quotes out? context do you think he's going to be like a seventh or eighth man on the roster he has he has g league offers right so he's he's a really good player where do you think he fits in in terms of the rotation 
I definitely think he's gonna be a rotational player, and I and I don't. Uh, I I know um, that you know he's not expect he's not expected to be given anything. He's gonna work for it, just you know the opportunity to have it. So uh, he he's gonna be. I, I mean, I, I see. I mean, you see the videos. We all see the videos. But I think he's a special talent. I think um, those offers he had before he got hurt were real. They they really spoke to to who he might be as a player um, once he gets back on the court. So um, I very much expect him to be a a rotational guy. Um, I definitely see him possibly as a backup to Matt Mitchell if Matt's playing at the three or or a backup to whoever the wing is. Um, you know, and and I know, I think I, I remember reading that, you know, he wants to be out of the, in the NBA by his second year or, you know, 30 at the latest. Um, so um, that makes me think that there's no, there's no real pressure to him wanting to get out right now, you know, after one year. But just, uh, just seeing him on video and, and seeing the work that he's put in, I, I, I definitely, um, definitely, uh, think he is uh, a rotational guy throughout the year, um, just based on his talent and and based on where I can see him fitting in. Um, you know, he's six 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 seven, but he definitely definitely is not you know a guy that's gonna be banging up front for you. He's he's definitely a wing player with some guard skill. So that kind of guy, while he may not start right now, is a guy that can help you um, throughout the year. For sure. Okay, you 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 massaged my my concerns there a little bit, which is which is nice. I I was definitely like, man, like if, you know, because trying to figure out these lineups, if if you have this guy, and I mean, I haven't seen him at all. I don't think he played at all last year. I think I asked you about that, and you said he played like one game, yeah. if I'm correct. Ten minutes, yeah. Yeah, so it's hard to make an, an like an, an informed opinion on it, but I'm like, you know, if he's in the top six, that means he's bumping somebody else down who's who's also deserving of being in the top six. So I don't know how to put it. So I think so for right now, and like I said, tell me, tell me, and tell the fans why this is wrong. But so my starting lineup, kind of also going along with that thought of. Uh, that that Dutcher does the best when he has like three guards or at the very least three creators that he can go to. I had I had Gomez at the one. I, I started Trey Pulliam mm-hmm. at the two because I felt like he was a more natural creator than Gomez mm-hmm. and it would let Gomez do that off-ball stuff that he's used to. Um, and then Shackle at the three, Mitchell at the four because I, I really like the idea if he's – a ball handler. I think he will be handling the ball more this season, putting him at the four and having opposing power forwards that aren't used to defending ball screens or defending the ball handler in a ball screen, putting them in that position could be a big time mismatch. And then of course, Nathan at the five. That, that, I mean, that's probably the, the popular uh, opinion. And I, I don't, maybe it switched the Trey and uh, Gomez, but that's that's probably the more popular opinion, and I like to be a contrarian, and I like to, you know, think differently than everybody else. So I I can't tell you why you're wrong or, or say you're wrong at all because I mean that's probably what most people are, are expecting and and thinking. I think a lot of people want to saw the success Matt had playing at the four when Nathan went down. So yeah, I mean, 
no, I, I, I can't say I can't say you're wrong. I, I, I actually, I actually think like I said a lot of our li- a lot of listeners are going to be agreeing with you and over me. So, yeah, I mean that that's a great a great way to think uh, um, on the team next year. Um, one one thing I, I do want to mention and point out is, you know, last year our starters played really heavy minutes, really, really heavy yeah. minutes, and so with Malachi gone, that's I mean that was almost forty minutes a game. And Yanni gone, which again was like another thirty-five minutes a game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the staff, um, you know, spreads out those minutes because Trey Pulliam wasn't playing anywhere near, you know, thirty-plus minutes a game, and um, so that's gonna that's yeah, gonna be sure. Nathan wasn't playing thirty-plus minutes a game. So it's gonna be interesting to see who comes up off the bench and fills out some big some big minutes that are available next year. Yeah, I, I so the next video I'm hoping to post on my on my YouTube is uh, on Nathan Mensa, and I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think without drawing up any plays for him, if he plays 30 minutes a game, which he hasn't done last year, I think he was around 20, but if he plays 30 minutes a game, which I think he should be, he'll easily score double, like he'll average double digits for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, he's he's a a a special talent at the position. I mean, you look at his battles with um, uh, Keita from Utah State, who mm-hmm. who's a legit NBA prospect, you know, and and he's held his own. So even as a freshman, mostly as a freshman. So yeah, I mean, there's he he. He didn't get you know get healthy and, and get a good a good uh, workout summer workout and, and get some more time with the team and and yeah I mean like you said he doesn't he doesn't need plays drawn up for him he's gonna he's gonna find the open spot when someone drives he's gonna be there to put a put back in he's gonna get the ball and and take and you know um, overpower mismatch and 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 he's gonna just do the little things to get himself you know. 10 points, 12 points here and there, because when he, when he, when he did those things, he was successful um, again, you know, against the opponents that he played against where he scored double figures. Like when he, when he scored double figures, he did all those little things that, that got him, you know, points. And I remember a couple of times looking up and he has 16 points and I was like, how did that happen? But it was just those little things that he did. So mm-hmm. yeah. And that's always nice because he's not a guy that you need to, to draw up a bunch of plays so that he can shine. He's, he's going to find his own way to make it happen. So, I, I mean, I think we've pretty much talked about everybody just for the heck of it. We can finish it up here. Uh, the one guy we haven't mentioned is Adam Seiko. I think that's the last guy we haven't mentioned. And honestly, I, so I said what I think the starting lineup kind of will be. Mm-hmm. Um, a big part of me though, would actually rather start, Seiko over Polium, uh, just because Seiko is, I think, leaps and bounds a better defender. He's, you know, we, you talked about, I think they're the same height, but you said Polium was, you know, kind of thin. Seiko's pretty well built. I think Seiko is a better and more willing shooter from the perimeter. So the issue would just be, is there enough creation between Gomez and Shackle and Mitchell and, you know, whoever, but what do you, what do you think about Seiko? What are your thoughts on his season coming up here? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've been big on, on Adam for a long time when we were recruiting him. 
Um, I mean, obviously, you know, when he got there, Jeremy Hemsley was the big-time defender. And last year, out of nowhere, K.J. Fagan became the big-time defender. Uh, and and now I think it's his turn. And, and you know, regardless, even though Coach Steve Fisher's not here coaching the team anymore, there's still there's still a big value on defense, and and I truly believe that's that's his way uh, of seeing the floor. And last year he showed that he can hit the open shot. I mean, at the end of the season he got his numbers, you know, went down a little bit, but you know he he works a lot on his offense on his shot, uh, and it showed last year. And, and with another year of development, I mean, I think um, you know he's going to be um, a big a big part of the, uh, the rotation as well. Um, I don't know if he's going to start this year. I, I could see, you know, I, again, I, just so we brought in guards and, and we had, he has a lot of seniors ahead of him. I mean, I'm looking at four – for me uh, – well, no, for you, sorry. You're looking at four seniors and one junior starting. So, it's, you know, um, so I can see next year him being, you know, one of the lead guys because he'll be a senior. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he he's – that defense, that defense, I think now is his turn. I said he, he waited behind Hemsley, he waited behind Fagan, which was kind of a surprise, and and now he's I think he's a clear defensive stopper, and when you need him, you're gonna see him out there. Yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's tough. I'll get out like a pad and paper, and I'm like, okay, there's 200 minutes to distribute between all these guys. How do you how do you do it to get each of them enough floor time? And it's it's hard, and and that's a great problem to have, but it's it's hard. Man, I do not envy the coaches in that respect at all. Yeah, it's tough. I, I know I did exercise earlier in the year before we got to Mike, and and uh, you know it, it's just it's really tough too because you know um, I said last year was really special in that our starters played a ton of minutes, and it was a special season and you wanted to go for it. Um, now the question for me is: Is the coaching staff going to do the same? Are they going to play guys thirty-five plus minutes, or are they going to spread it out a little bit more? So. We'll we'll see how that works out, but it's it's uh, like said, a good problem to have. There's a lot of talent, and um, it's really going to see how it, how it all pulls together. Because I, I think last year at this time, none of us expected what we saw last year. We all knew Malachi Flynn was great. You knew Malachi Flynn was great. You you said you I remember you talking about he could be one of the one of the best you know player guards at San Diego State, and and he he did that, and even then. I, I accepted that, but even then, going into the season, I didn't expect what we saw last year. And um, and you know, you lose Fagan and you lose uh, Malachi and you and you lose Yanni, but you replace him with you know Gomez, and you have Matt still back and Jordan still back, and and you have Trey Pulliam and 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 there's some pieces there. You know, you get Nathan Mensa back, so there's some pieces to to get up there and and surprise us all again yeah i think this year's team is deeper assuming everybody can stay healthy you know last year's team was was deep when nathan was healthy and then when matt had to move into the starting lineup that took away a lot of the depth i thought um not and well and then a rope was injured a lot too and that hurt big time as well uh so if everybody can stay healthy i think this team is definitely deeper but just just to echo on the statement that like none of us knew what was coming right like so so i had said that about malachi but even then i wasn't expecting an all-american season like he had Mm -hmm. and on top of that there was uh 
just just for a fun anecdote, I was at this point last year, I was still doing some writing just in like, I would do, I think a Google doc mm-hmm. and I would just, you know, make it public so people could read it and I'd share it on Twitter and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And somebody posted it onto the, the San Diego state Aztec basketball Facebook group. Okay. Um, and said like, Hey, this is fun. Read, do whatever. Um, and people commented on it saying, uh, there, there was a sentence I had that what I was trying to say was at this time of the year, when it, you know, when the season's getting ramped up, we're all really optimistic and, you know, we'll say, you know, this team's definitely going to make the tournament. This is a sweet 16 team. You know, there were some years like, uh, like 2014, people were like, this is a final four team. And then sadly it wasn't. Um, but so I was just trying to say, this is that type of year. But what I ended up saying, and, and I didn't realize this, I, I didn't, I didn't proofread it well enough. What I ended up saying was that I think this team, this year's team, will be a Final Four team. This year, meaning meaning last year with Malachi and Yanni and everybody, and uh, people, people did not like. They were like, "There's no way this is a Final Four team. If they're lucky, this will be a Sweet Sixteen team, and and they they'll be, you know, they'll make the tournament, but they'll probably be a first round out, and you know, stuff like that." And I was like, "Oh man, I can't believe I wrote this. That's not what I was trying to say at all." Like. You know, I got to go edit it and, and make it clear what I'm trying to say. And then it turned out like they could have made the final four. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just a way to illustrate that, like, I don't like nobody expected what happened. No, nobody at all. Anyways, I that's that's all I have for us. I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk no, about. No, I, that's great. I appreciate being back. You know, it was, it was a wide array of topics today. So um, it was fun as always. I appreciate it. Awesome. I'll uh if you're up for it, I'll try and have you on again before the season starts and just talk about any updates and the schedule and all that stuff. Love to. You know I love to be on all the time, so that'd be great. Awesome. Uh before you go, do you wanna do you have anything you want to plug? I know you got your website and and you know anything else you want to do? No, just uh I, I told you offline. I know I've been kind of quiet on on the website. Well, on the Twitter because my Twitter is not working that well. So bear with me, folks, while I fix that. But Ask the Hoops Nation, trust me, I'm, I'm writing. I'm, I'm trying to get it up there. Uh, we're just dealing with some technical difficulties. So if you hear this, uh, then you know why you haven't seen me uh, tackle some of these uh, some of these articles that are out there. Uh, but definitely, I'm going to be reaching out to some some recruits, getting their getting their opinions, uh, talking to hopefully our two transfer uh, walk-ons that we have or two walk-ons that we have and get their thoughts about next season in the San Diego State program. So uh, be on the lookout, and um, thank you for bearing with me and, and always following and um, reading. I always appreciate that. Mike, thanks for coming on. This has been this, I mean, this is it. This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. Make sure you guys uh, find my YouTube so you can see the videos of the players for this coming season. Find me on Patreon. Find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's everywhere. Uh, Thanks for listening, Mike. I'll, I'll, we'll do this again before the season starts. Thank you. I appreciate it. I can't wait to be back on here with you. It's uh, always great. And uh, I, I appreciate all the uh, statistical analysis that you have. Uh, those are all things I don't understand. So they're definitely, definitely great. But I know that I know another value. Like I said, I, I know the numbers tell us things that, you know, we don't really see with our eyes. So it's always great to have those quantified. And I'm always thankful to be able to ask you about those things because – I don't always understand them. Well, thank you very much. You're too kind. And to everybody listening, we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.